Hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with me for just a couple of minutes. Here, our focus is being better and healthier than yesterday. Are you better? Are you healthier than you were yesterday? Here, we don't compare ourselves to him or to her. We compare ourselves to who we were yesterday. Self-improvement has no end. Health has no finish line. There are lifelong journeys where we take it one day at a time, and here we do it together. So let's do this. Before I get into the main content, if you want to get in contact with me, email and Instagram are the best ways to get in contact. Email me at benpagedc at gmail.com and on Instagram, benpagedc. And if you listen to this, go to Instagram, tag me on the episode, and I'll tag you right back and we get to know each other. I love to get to know the community and I would love to get to know you. So let's get on to the main content. One last thing before we get into the main content. This stuff is important, and the more people that get it, the better. And one of the best ways to get this to more people is by rating and reviewing this podcast. So if you could please take some time, go to iTunes and rate and review this podcast. That would be a huge help in getting this word out so more and more people can hear about this and, as a result, heal this world. Now, on to the main content with John Van Sile and Gardening Hacks. All right, do I have a great episode for you today? I got a guest. His name is John Van Zyl, and we're going to be talking about his new book, um, Gardening Hacks, 300-plus Time and Money Saving Hacks. As you all know, I'm a big garden fan. Uh, I grow gardens and I try to grow as much food as I possibly can for many reasons, but one of the reasons is nutrient-dense food and then we can go on about the other ones, but we've already talked about those. Today we're going to have a nice conversation with John about ways we can do it even better and more in the urban area. So it's going to be more of, of an urban garden where you can make take your space and use it to your advantage. All right, before we get into the main content though, of course, we're gonna, I want John to present himself to all you out there so we can get to, little, get to know a little about him and then we'll jump into the main content. So welcome to the show, John, and, and why don't you introduce yourself to all the listeners. All right, Ben, first off, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Um, it's always fun. I always love talking gardens and talking dirt, so that's fantastic. Um, you know, my story is basically, I grew up in a suburb, you know, like a lot of people, it was a suburb outside of Detroit, but I had a strong interest in growing things, you know, since, I, since way back. So, you know, I think, um, I think it was actually in middle school, I got permission from my parents to dig up part of my backyard and had a wagon and I'd walk up to a garden supply store and load it up with 50 pound bag of dirt and, or 50 pound bags of dirt, you know, wheel them home. And I, I set the whole thing up and you know, I didn't have a ton of success because we had a lot of rabbits back there. But from there, I went on to, um, you know, I went to school and I got a degree in writing and I, and I, but my interest in gardening stayed. So eventually I uh, sort of formalized it and went and got a master gardener certificate. And I, and I basically experimented on my own um, property a lot because, you know, it's always learning. We're always learning new things, learning new techniques, learning ways that we can do it better and cleaner and safer. So um, I think at one point I was uh, really into tomatoes, like I was obsessed with tomatoes. And I, I live in uh, South Florida. And so, you know, I live in the subtropics. And when you look at garden instructions for a lot of plants, they're aimed at zones, USDA zones that are not exactly as hot and tropical as we are. And so I started a blog on how to grow tomatoes in the subtropics. 
And it turned out that was like kind of a niche, but kind of a popular topic. And so I think at one point I was probably the world's largest um, internet resource for this one particular focused growing thing. Uh, and then, you know, from there it kind of went on. And so the blog got picked up by my newspaper and then I ended up writing for all kinds of magazines and newspapers on different plant stuff, which finally culminated in, um, you know, the, a, a few garden books, including the hacks books that we're talking about today and another one on houseplants for a healthy home. And basically my focus is always on, you know, how can you live in a space that is fairly high density? Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not rural. I, I envy people who have a lot of land and who can grow these lovely plots of vegetables. I have a lot of relatives who have just very large, beautiful food gardens. And, you know, I really can't do that. So I've been focused on experimenting and, and, and really perfecting ways to grow things in small, small places, small gardens, um, inside, wherever possible, you know, and produce as much of your own food as you can. Because ultimately, and, and I think you probably share this as well, like, it, I just think it's incredibly restorative. And I think it's important. Like I was, I was working to a friend yesterday. She was talking about growing some vegetables outside. And I said, you know, you'll never watch the weather as close as you watch the weather when you have plants that depend on it. Like you think you paid attention to the weather before, but you didn't because, you know, you'll start caring a lot. And I think that extends to just the entire connection with the natural world and how we can exist in it and benefit from it so and help it. Oh, yeah. I love I love how that little example just shows how important we are with and how important it is that we work with nature. I mean, that we have to know what nature is going to do so we can kind of work with her. And unfortunately, the most most of modern agriculture is working against her. But uh, the yeah. very beginning of your of the very beginning of your uh, your introduction, you said that you asked your parents if you could farm, garden in your backyard, and that's kind of different because usually it's the parents getting the kids to go out and garden but in your so in your experience it was you just wanting to go out and garden all by yourself yeah i was a heavy duty plant nerd so you know they they send us off to camp and you know everybody else is choosing horseback riding and kayaking and i volunteered with this this woman named naomi who had a huge garden in the back of this camp and uh, i would just spend every day back there harvesting and helping and things like that and i i don't even really know where it came from which is kind of funny because nobody in my family was like that so they just thought it was this sort of strange, you know, thing that came out of nowhere, I think. But um, it's just something that it ha has always spoken to me, I suppose. I think that's so cool. Yeah. My, uh, my, yeah, my experience is completely opposite. I was, I was, I, I, I guess I wasn't forced into it. I will never say I was forced into it, but I wasn't like, hey, I want to go garden. It's like, hey, Ben, it's your turn to weed this row. What's, hey, Ben, it's your turn to go, let's go plant the garden. It's like, oh, man, I'd rather do this. But but now I look back at those times, and I'm just like, I am so grateful that my parents did do that. I mean, I am so grateful that they put me out in the garden, gave me that experience to play in the dirt uh, because right. it's it's built to, it's built me to who I am today. So I can't, I mean, so I might have complained back then, but I look back and it's like, wow. What a great yeah, experience could, that was. Gosh, I but, can totally see that. Because until you know how your own plot of land works, how can you really know how the how the rest of the world works? You know? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we we all got to start with ourselves and then our families and then our plots of land and, yeah, build from there. But I think that's pretty neat how you kind of just, it was all on your own. As a little teeny kid, you just, let's do this. Let's start to learn and play in the dirt. <laughs> that is pretty yep. neat. Yeah. All right. So, like, so you're saying that you have a new book called you have a new book out, and it's called Gardening Hacks. 
And so what made you want to write this book? Um, so it's one of those deals, I think, where it's, it's not my first book with the, with the publisher with Adams Media. And so I think it was one of those things where they had an idea and they wanted to see, you know, what I thought of it and could I help flesh it out. And of course, I jumped on it, you know, because I was like, yes, definitely. Um, and so then it was, you know, once we'd agreed to Greenlight doing this project, then it was a matter of putting together all the tips and, you know, doing the research and drawing from my own experience, but also the experience of a lot of other people. Um, to see, you know, what works, what doesn't work, what can people try, how can they experiment with stuff and things like that. And all of it is aimed at making it easier for people to grow things well, you know, no matter where they are. Um, and so we tried to cover like a huge, huge range of area with these tips, you know, everything from seedlings, fertilizing, containers, harvesting, garden construction, I mean, all kinds of stuff. And in the very beginning of the book, there, it gives you a few tips, and I really enjoyed the tip number three: enjoy yourself. I thought that was—I mean—that most people think the garden is like is like work, um, and it—I don't like to call it work. I, I like to call it effort. I mean, because it, it really can it should be enjoyable i mean we shouldn't be out in the garden going oh why am i even out here i mean it's a great it's 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 a great time to be in the present moment and do something good grow food for yourself or for your family and and that's not the only healthy benefit from it as i've talked about on on my podcast on many many occasions that there's there's so much good that comes from it that we should be enjoying it so i loved your point number three and and that's why i called my that's why I called my second book Playing in the Dirt because, yeah, it's something to enjoy. <laughs> yep. You know, the other thing, too, I think is like it, it brings discipline to your, I mean, not only to your day, but it's just overall all around because, you know, plants, they, they need to thrive well. They need care. And so you're, you have to approach it in this, in this sort of semi-disciplined way to say, okay, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, you know, I think they used to call it like chores. It probably still, they do call it chores on farms, but you know, if you're doing it for yourself, then it's not really a chore. You're just out there and you're you're making sure that you you hit the you, you get the water right, you get the fertilizer right. You're paying attention to your plants. You know, you're knitted in. So, yeah, there should be joy in that. There should be deep joy in that. Yeah, and I like how you say that too. It it, it does. I mean, I remember when I when I always start my gardens and they deep and they need a lot more care. I always set time aside every morning. To give them that care, and, and and if I'm not disciplined in that care, yeah, my plants do suffer. For that. So that is true, and and it does help us be disciplined in in a, in a certain type of way. And I think I don't think I've ever really noticed that. I've just done it. But now that you're talking about it, yeah, it is true because I did set time apart to care for my garden. And if I wouldn't have done that, yeah, their their health would have suffered, of course, and that would have caused less nutrient dense food for us as a, yeah. as a family. So that, that is very interesting and, and very true. Yeah. Here's an interesting thing about this too. I think, you know, as you, I mean, as everyone on the whole planet knows, like we have this, we have this pandemic going on right now. Right. So it's just, it's been a terrible year. Um, and you know, I think the interest in growing things has really taken off. There's a lot of, you know, a lot of people are buying books. A lot of people are buying plants. A lot of people are thinking about it because I think people are nesting a little bit. But what I noticed is that, like, I have I have actually fallen off in my care for, you know, for some of the plants that I grow that are kind of higher maintenance, you know, because I collect aeroids and orchids and all these sort of other things. Um, and I can't help but think that it's related to, like, the sort of like, disorder that's, a, that's been associated with this pandemic. 
break. It's just, you can see it. Like you can see the toll it's taking. If you walk out and you look at the, look at some of my, some of my plants that are, you know, not thriving like they used to. And it's been an interesting thing for me because as it feels like we're like about to emerge from this pandemic, I can feel myself thinking, okay, I got to go back and take care of this again. Like I have to reinvest, get to re-engage. So that's, I hope that's the trajectory that all of us are on, you know, or will be on as this recedes. Yeah. And I, I hope the same. And, and <laughs> yeah. I think it's, I, I think it's more than just thinking and seeing. I think it's, it's feeling. I think the majority of people are feeling this, that it, this is not right. We shouldn't be doing a lot of things that we're doing. And deep down, we feel it, but we're not allowing ourselves to demonstrate that because we're, we're letting our thoughts of what we hear more commonly than not let us act instead of yeah. acting on what we truly do feel deep down inside. Um, you're in the state of Florida, so you've had a lot of freedoms uh, that weren't taken away. So you were, you were, but they were in other states. I mean, it, it got really, really tough. Um, and I met you, th those people they, they 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 really felt it, so that that's oh, neat. Yeah. Uh, and I and I and I think that you're tr yeah you're right on that. That a lot of people are having a hard time, and because they don't they don't see maybe they don't see the way out. They they just they 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 continue to see all the restrictions. They continue to, to hear the same things over and over and over again. Like dude, when is this going to end? But yeah, I mean it's it's yeah. been it's been it's been a it, we could say it's been a tough year with opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. Oh man. So let's get into a let's get into your chapters, your book, and let's see if you can give sure. our our listeners because sure. I I definitely want my listeners. I definitely recommend my my listeners to to grow a garden, and that could be just planter boxes if you, that's all you have, or if you got more land, of course more. But but I always recommend growing some of your own food. So let's see if we can get some cool some cool tips on how to better grow and let's start with chapter one so what are your favorite ones about about seeds and seedlings and cuttings what's a what, what are some of your favorite tips so one of my okay so let's start seedlings one of one of the cool things i think about seedlings is uh you know you can start seedlings and like anything and people don't think about that everybody's like oh, i gotta start my seedling in a container no you don't you can start a seedling in a citrus rind which is something you see uh you know uh, a, a lot but it's true and it's biodegradable, so you never have to repot the thing. It's always going to be healthy. You can drop a few seeds in a hollowed-out lemon rind, start it. By the time that lemon rind starts getting, you know, on the downside, it's going to be about time to drop it into a larger pot anyway. Um, and so, like, there's there's a lot of creativity that you can use to starting seeds. When it comes to seedlings, um, I'm sorry, cuttings, you know, I, I think a lot of people avoid cuttings because they're like, man, cuttings are hard. And it's, you know, it does, it's true. It takes a little bit more uh, knowledge, practice, whatever you want to call it, to get a cutting to root than it does to drop a seed in soil. Um, so I think, you know, you had mentioned something a little bit earlier about uh, taking cuttings and you can use honey as a rooting hormone. I mean, honey is an amazing substance. And so it has enzymes in it. It has uh, antifungal properties, antiseptic properties. It's like really good for rooting cuttings. You can take a cutting, you know, and get a few exposed leaf nodes, dunk that sucker into honey, plant it, and you'll, you know, you may have some great success with that. Um, let's go ahead. 
and that's that's one of the things I really enjoyed because I I had no idea about that whole honey as a as a rooting hormone, and I could have used that too because <laughs> where I used to live, uh, there was this orange tree that wasn't in our in our property, but some of the fruit was on branches that came into our property, and it was the best tasting orange I have ever tried in my whole entire life. So I I took some of these branches with some nodes on them and I tried to take one of those cuttings and get it and get it get the tree to grow and I just couldn't get it to grow <laughs> so but now I'm not there anymore either so I so I've lost yeah. it and man if I would have had this information then I probably could have tried it maybe I would have got some of these branches to to root and would have had some of these because it was it was an orange that was beyond beyond sweet beyond. and the coolest and, and the coolest thing about it was that it 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 matured earlier than any other orange so I had these oranges way before all the rest, and they were so sweet. And I, but I couldn't get one of the branches to to, to root. So now I know. Next time I know. <laughs> you know, you know what kind of orange? Orange, oranges, citrus in general can be tough from cuttings, but you can graft citrus. Citrus grafts really well. Yeah, uh, the problem is it doesn't often grow true, which is one of those things about citrus that drives me nuts. That's what I've been told, but I was going to try it anyway, and, and I never got it. And I don't even—I know it was a navel orange because it—and and it was a seedless navel orange, but I don't know what type uh, it was because because my my mother-in-law has a navel seedless orange, and it it didn't mature. The oranges weren't as big, and they weren't as sweet either. I mean, this was just—I don't know—it was just a beautiful tree. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, we had uh, two huge honeybell trees in my in uh, one house we used to live in. Giant trees, been around for like thirty years. And then um, citrus canker came along. I'm sorry, this is a side vent of mine. Uh, citrus canker was a disease that affected the appearance of the fruit, but not necessarily the taste of the fruit. But here in Florida, orange juice is like you know a billion dollar business or whatever it is. It's huge. And they were worried about citrus canker affecting all the groves. You know, so us down in South Florida we all had this backyard citrus. So the state decided to protect the groves. They were going to cut down all the citrus trees. So there were state cutting crews going from house to house, to house, to house, to house for like two years. And they just cut down everything. So they, yeah, they cut down both of my honeybell trees. No. And they gave me, yeah. And they gave me 50 bucks for it. No way. <laughs> that's 30 years old. That's like, that's, that's like, ten thousand dollars a tree 30 years of your life nuts. oh my nuts. oh my goodness and then wow. a hurricane came and it blew canker up into the groves anyway that, that, that just shows you the 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 the, the uselessness of most government another another uh sorry to get back to seeds another good thing I, another thing that you know i think that this comes through a bunch of places in the book is like the, um, the unbelievable number of times or places you can use a two liter bottle so like you can take a two liter and make a little mini terrarium like a snap you know you can make a self-watering container out of two two liters if you just cut one in half and kind of invert it in the, in the other one, um, put a wick down in there. And so like, there's so many like creative and interesting ways to, to get plants started inside. But the big thing people struggle with on the inside and, and, uh, when I grow outside, I actually start my seedlings inside too. So it's kind of like the overlap there is light. Light's always a problem. So you're, you probably are going to have to invest in lights. If you want to grow, you're going to have to invest in lights. If you want to grow decent seedlings inside, in my opinion, you know, they don't have to be fancy. 
and I, I agree with it because every time I did, yep, they, they grow really long, thin stems with very few flowers, with very, very few leaves. I, that's always been, whenever I grow inside, that's always happened unless I have them under lights, you know. So I, right. I, I definitely agree with you. And sometimes with tomatoes, it doesn't make, doesn't make a big deal because you're planting the majority of the stem anyway. But with most other plants, yeah, that, that causes problems in the future, for sure. Yep, for sure. Light's a big one. Well, let's let's so urban gardening is, and I've been I've been doing that for a while. I still still have some of my containers, some of my planter boxes that I had at my last house, and then at the moment I'm growing less in them. So, what's what what are some what are some uh tip, some tips for container gardening? So it's it's that's interesting. It's funny as you say containers because I was going to say my first tip is grow in containers. <laughs> um, yeah, because especially depending on where you live. So where we live, it's uh, the soil's not that hot. You know, it's very sandy. It's not great soil. And we have a plague of iguanas that eat everything. Um, elsewhere in the country, people have deer, and the deer are voracious feeders. Um, and even, in, even in suburban areas, they're basically overrun with deer nowadays. And so I think containers, like, make life a lot easier. Um, now, you know, one of the things when it comes to containers is, you got to, you actually have to pay more attention. The, the margin for error is smaller um, because in the ground, if a plant starts getting thirsty, it can grow a bigger root structure further out, you know, looking for water in a container. It's all you, it's all you, you have to get the right amount of water to that plant at the right time. And it's, you know, in a totally self-contained environment. So you can drown it you can, you can cause it to die of thirst. It's a little bit easier. Um, and then the other tip that I have for containers and this is specific, not specific to tomatoes, but that's a favorite crop of everybody, is you really need to go big. Like, uh, you know, I, I've seen a, a lot of places say that a tomato only needs, you know, three gallons of a full-size tomato plant. I mean, that's really not true. Like, you can grow a tomato plant in a three-gallon container, but the truth is, if you want to grow a big tomato, a nice one, you need 10 gallons per plant, at least, Um so I'm growing, when I grow tomatoes, I grow heirlooms, I grow them in containers and I put two plants in a 25 gallon container and the containers are free. I went to a, a nursery, a tree nursery, you know, they have those giant black tubs and I just asked if they had a few out back and the guys were like, sure, go out there and load up. So I just went and loaded up containers. Nice. Uh, so sometimes you just got to go ask and you never know. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. happened to me too once when I was trying to get food grade buckets to start to store food in. Yeah, I just went to the bakeries and like, yeah, take them. Yep. So sometimes yeah. just asking, yeah, I mean, you can get stuff. That's for sure. Huh. Yeah, absolutely. So you recommend starting in containers because it is simpler, but it is a little bit more work because you have to put a lot more work into the and to make sure the plant grows. And I've seen that happen to me too. If I don't water my plants in my in my in my planter boxes, they they're they'll get they'll dry up a lot faster than in, than in the ground. That's for sure. Sure. For sure. Um, and you have, you have more control in a container. And so you have, it's a micro environment that you totally control. And so you have much better, uh, you know, much better control over what the plant is being fed and when, how much water it's getting and when, so you can get better results. Um, now if you have a huge yard, well then, and you want to grow like, a row of corn containers are not going to be your thing but if you're growing in a, a suburban area if you're growing in an urban area yeah just get some big old containers and look for look for the sunniest spot you've got and then throw some plants in there huh? mm -hmm. and then and yeah the majority of i mean the whole the whole 
homesteading movement is growing. So you're starting to see more and more people try to get into it. But the majority of people, yeah, they still over 51% of the world still lives in cities, which to me isn't the best thing, but it, it it's reality. And as you said, the majority of people are living in cities still. So well, yeah. Well, what about outdoor gardening? Because that's definitely, that's what I'm trying to get into. Because now that I did find a little bit more of land, that's what I'm doing. I'm outdoor gardening and I'm in the, I'm playing in the dirt as much as I can. So what are, nice. so, so what are some hacks for, for us people out, out playing in the dirt in our backyards or front yards? Um, it's, so I think, the, oops, did I just lose your audio? No, I got you. You know, you're still here. Oh, that was, that was, I'm sorry. That was weird. Um, I think that like the easiest and best thing people can do is mulch, you know, just mulch and, uh, mulch is amazing. Mulch is like a fertilizer, mulch holds soil in place, mulch holds water in place. Um, it keeps, you know, it keeps bugs away. And so definitely mulching is like just a great practice all around. Um, and then, you know, some of the other things, some of the other things are kind of, are kind of meta, they're kind of bigger. And so all gardening is local. And by local, I don't just mean the state you live in or, or even, you know, I mean the, your specific microclimate. Um, because my house may not be the same as, a, as somebody, in, in fact, I know it's not. My house is not the same as someone who lives a mile to the east of me because they're a mile closer to the ocean. So they got a lot more salt than I got. Um, so it's like, know your, know your area, know what your soil is like, know how much rain you're getting um, and start, you know, start there and Im- improve your soil where necessary. And again, mulch improves soil. So I would say probably the best thing if I was recommending if someone was starting a, a vegetable garden, and I wish I had told my, you know, 13 year old self this is, uh, is mulch it in. Just make sure everything's mulched in really well. Yeah, it's a really good experience with, with mulch too. I, I had a, my, my first somewhat bigger garden was in the deserts of nevada so i mean imagine it was so so, yeah i would i mean if it wasn't for mulch nothing would have survived we would yeah we would mulch six inches deep and and that's what kept our plants alive but another thing that that i love about mulch is the way it turns into black soil uh yeah exactly my 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 dad he, he 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 his pathways are mulch and they're talking like a foot to foot and a half deep of probably even more than that so so every year he takes those paths and puts them on his garden beds because that mulch turns into beautiful soil so he and then he'll just fill those pathways up with with mulch again and the next year it's going to be ready to go right back onto his garden because it it decomposes quite quickly too if it stays moist when you're about two feet deep it stays moist pretty much all season long if you're watering your garden so yeah it mulches i totally agree with you mulching is is uh, really important and you can pretty much mulch with anything here in my garden i mulch with with the cut grass cribblings and that's how i that's the majority oh, yeah. of my mulch right now and that's the thing it doesn't have to be something special no and actually since you brought that point up i mean that's a great point right because not all mulch is equal and so um okay and here in florida for instance i don't recommend buying cypress mulch it's cheap there's a lot of it but they're cutting down cypress trees to grind up to make mulch so there's other cheaper i mean there's other options like uh, eucalyptus mulch those are garbage trees so so use that um, don't buy mulch that has dyes in it. You know, they sell these like funky red mulches 
And it's like, that's got to die in it. You know, once you throw that down on the ground, it's going to leach into the soil. And I'm not saying it's toxic or bad for you, but why do that? Or, you know, talk to a tree company instead and say, what do you do with all the trees you grind up? Like if I pay you at the end of a day, will you come and dump a bunch of that in my driveway? Oh and yeah. And tons of them will. And just like when you went and asked for those free containers, that's what I did. I called in, when I was in Las Vegas, I called the, the tree trunk, the tree trimming uh, companies and asked them what do you do with all your all your all your tree trimmings and and they said they just they throw it away I was like well can you bring it to my to my house yeah and they brought it to me free and they dumped the whole thing right there <laughs> yeah <laughs> so got, that's right and that's so like, like hundreds of dollars yeah and 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 the thing is is they it was easier for them too like instead of taking it all the way out to the dump they just brought it to my house which is a lot closer and so they started calling me it's like hey do you want some more chips. And I was like, no, I got enough now. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. But, but it was, it was more economical for them to leave it on where, where I was living at the moment. So I mean, a lot of times, yeah, it's just funny. calling and saying, hey, can I get some help? I mean, I was wondering, and usually they'll do it for free. Usually it becomes, it's, it's, that's, it makes it easy, their life even easier too. So it definitely, uh, like you said, um, asking is pretty is a good way to go. You never, you never know. Yep. Yep. One of the, another one thing, of the other. Oh, excuse me. No, no, go ahead. Oh, I was to say one of the other things that's awesome for outdoor gardens, well, indoor too, but more outdoor is uh, composting. The composting is not hard. You don't need a ton of room for it. Um, it's not rocket science and it's so good for the soil. I mean, compost is amazing, you know, and it, and it cuts down on the stuff, the amount of stuff going into the waste supply stream. And it's just great. You know, composting is, is really, really good. So I'd recommend that too, if possible. You can even use oh. it, just do it in a barrel. If you don't have a compost, you know, area, you don't need an area. It's possible. Oh yeah, totally agree with you. I mean, yeah. I even recommend composting before you even start your garden. I mean, just, I mean, yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. it's just a great way to be part of the cycle of nature. I mean, it's, yeah, I totally agree with you. If you're gonna if you do anything, yeah. compost. One of the, one of the things I really liked was uh, was how you can turn your beans into a fort. So you're you're you're, <laughs> yeah. you're, you're value stacking your garden. So not only are you getting nutrient dense food. But you're able to play in it, but play in the garden also. And, and it reminded me when I was a kid, when when my dad would say, "Well, it's time to go weed the garden," I'd always choose the the corn, the rows of corn, because it was like I was playing in the jungle because they were a lot taller than me. So I'd always oh, so it was yeah. a way to it was a way to play while I worked. And well, if you could build a fort around your beans, I think that would be pretty fun. <laughs> that would be, <laughs> be able to play. I mean, when I was a kid, I would have loved that. Oh, same as me. That's why I loved it. So it's like, wow, you're playing in a fort and you can actually eat what's on the on the fort walls too. So it's a win-win-win situation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that kind of goes back to the other thing too. It's right. It's like, it doesn't have to be all work. It can be kind of fun. Gardens should be fun. It should be funky. Like, oh, yeah. why not? You know, plant, plant your old bathtub full of stuff. It's not going to hurt anything. It's going to look pretty cool. And make, oh. you know, it's the teepee instead you can make a little teepee and grow your beans in there or your squash runners it's great totally totally agree with you I, I, I thought it was pretty neat when i was looking through your book well let's let's end with your your last chapter so tools pests and harvesting pests ah. sometimes can be the that's what takes most people away from gardening like no nah, this is just too much work you can't control the pests yeah. like this year i had a terrible problem with whack the last three years i've had terrible problems with uh the red spider mite on my tomatoes oh my goodness uh, this was the first year where i was actually able to keep them under control so what are some of your hacks to to, to pests and harvesting and, and tools 
And if I wish I had a better solution for pests, because you're right, I mean, it is tricky. So some of the some of the best things you can do are maintain a clean space, right? Don't encourage them. Remove dead plants. Remove dead leaves. Stay on top of it. Don't don't give them a place to live that they're gonna love. Like don't invite them in. Um, pay attention to the plants, you know. So you so you see things early. Don't just be like, oh yeah, look that guy over there looks a little bit, you know, he's got some spots on him. Not figure out what those spots are, and uh, and address it pretty quick, and then. You know, when it comes to control of plants, um, I'm assuming that people aren't going to have enough room that you got to worry about monoculture. So monoculture is always a problem. And monoculture means planting a ton of one species that tends to attract bugs. So, that, you know, mix up the variety is good. But I mean, if you don't have a lot of space, you have to worry about that. And then finally, it comes down to using the least toxic option first and start with the least toxic option. So um, I have, you know, I have a scale and problems down here. We love scale down here. Um, and more often than not, what I use for scale is a hose. And I just blast the little guys off. And yeah, they come back, but they don't. But, I, but my goal is to keep the number down because um, I don't want to spray it because I'm going to eat this thing. Um, you know, and then if you got to go up from there, then you can do insecticidal soaps or you can do oils. Uh, you know, it's, it's mainly a matter of vigilance. And then... If you're, if you're, you know, every county in the United States has an a county extension office. So if you really get hung up on bugs, call them. Um, that's where the master gardeners are. And so, uh, you know, they can help you out. They can, they can recommend least toxic options. You know, some plants, some, some bugs are going to do well with, you can just hit them with a horticultural soap and just stay on top of it and they won't come back. But, you know, before, before going to a store and just buying something with a bug on the label, that could be much more toxic than you think it is. Um, you know, try, try to identify the bug and try to identify the least toxic way to kill it and prevent it. That's that's really the best thing I think you can do. That's what that's what I've seen with the red spider mite. Was I I just stayed on it, and that's another thing I do with to my tomatoes too. I, I I was a lot more. I was a lot more vigilant on pruning. So if I saw a leaf that looked like it had something, I would just prune it off. And then my That's tomato plants, these, my tomato plants this year, I should take a picture of it. I mean, some of them are like eight feet tall. It's pretty cool. Because <laughs> I was able to keep the, the spider mites at bay, even though they're still there. But yeah, what I've been using, and a lot of it's just being vigilant, me being vigilant and and just be on top of things. And I'd be able to, be able to, to keep them at bay because the first two years I wasn't, I was... I went out there and I saw little and I let it go. I let it go and I got to the point where there were just way too many. And it's like, ciao. I mean, there's no way I was going to be able to yeah. save my plants. So just being yeah. constant and vigilant, I think those are real, two really good ways to prevent pest outbreaks. And I liked how you said keep 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 the things clean. So like like I, I took all those, I, I would cut off all the leaves that had any type of things on it and I wouldn't compost them. I, I would actually throw those leaves away. I wouldn't even keep them in my, in my garden. Those are actually went to the trash can. Yeah, that's actually a really good idea, too, because they don't affect other stuff. And I mean, that kind of goes back to end where we started. Right. So it's like you, you have to be out in it. You have to you have to um, pay attention to the garden, spend time in it, you know, get your hands dirty, play in the dirt. Oh, yeah. 
couldn't couldn't have said it better. <laughs> and that's what I think. That's, that's <laughs> yeah. what we have. And that's why we have a garden. We have it. We have a garden to enjoy. I mean, so you're not going to just plant it and then hope for. Go outside and enjoy it, because when you're enjoying it, that's when you're in the present moment. And then, when you're in the present moment, you're not worrying about the past. You're not anxious about the future. I mean, you're there enjoying a beautiful moment, doing something good. And that's what the garden is. I mean, even if you don't even, yep. even if you're like one of those people like me that eat that consumes a lot of meat, um, I enjoy the garden because. It puts me in the moment. It it helps me be there, and it's such a beautiful way to do it. Physical exercise in the garden for me are the two best ways to be be right here, right now. That's funny. Me too. Exactly those two things. Awesome. Well, thanks. A, well, thanks a ton for coming on, John. I mean, it was a great little conversation about the garden and some things that we could do to make our jobs just a little easier while we play in the dirt and get our hands dirty. Um, how can people find your book? Where can they get your book? And where can they get to know you just a little bit more? Um, I uh, the books are on Amazon, so or any retailer. I, they, I think the um, the hacks book that we're talking about formally goes on sale on April 9th pre-orders. You can pre-buy it now on Amazon or pretty much any uh, online retailer. Once it actually gets released, then I believe it would show up in bookstores and things like that. Um, if people want to contact me, they can go to my website. I'm just going to warn you. It's super stripped down by that. I mean, it's essentially just a contact form at the moment. Um, we're under construction a little bit, but it's just my name. It's J O N V as in Victor, A N Z as in zebra, I L E.com. So it's John Van Um, and that's really going to be the best way to do it. So, and I, and I love to hear from people. So anyone who wants to write, like, please send them over. Awesome. Well, again, thanks for coming on. All that stuff will yep. be in the show notes. So if you want to get in contact with him, his webpage will be in the show notes. Also, his books uh, will be in the show notes. So go to the show notes and get all that information. And again, thanks a ton for coming on, John, and talking a little bit about the garden and how we can better garden. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it.